Welcome in to another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Tonight, we'll talk state championship football here in the great state of Mississippi. To lead off, we will have an interview with Slick and Dave from the Picayune podcast, followed by the head football coach of the Picayune Maroon Tide, Cody Stogner. Batting cleanup tonight will be Jake Wimberly. He hosts a afternoon drive sports show each and every afternoon there in Jackson. He's the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs. He will give us the lay of the land for that 6A matchup. Thank you once again for listening to the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. With fall and cooler weather just around the corner, there's no better time to head out to Brothers in Arms. It's Hattiesburg's premier outdoor gun range. It is located at 4657 Highway 49 South. Whether you're a new shooter or an experienced one, all are invited to shoot on the safe and family-oriented range. Go check them out and inquire about their annual memberships, hourly rates, as well as their training classes they offer. Once again, that's Brothers in Arms Outdoor Range at 4657 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And remember, always keep your sights pointed downrange. We are now pumped to be joined by Slick and Dave. David Burnett and Ricky Glenn Whitaker, of course, the host of the Picking Podcast through the Talking Ball Y'all Network. Guys, what a special time to be alive if you're a Picking Maroon Tide fan at State Championship Week on the 5A level. So congratulations uh, to the Maroon Tide uh, fans out there and, and really cool stuff for y'all. Y'all's first year following them with the podcast and they've landed themselves in the big game on Saturday. So tell us just how excited you two guys are to start with. Man, uh, I guess I'll go first. But, man, it's been exciting. Me and Ricky's talked about that exact thing, Clay, how, just how cool it is that we've been embraced by the team, the, the coaches, and then the fans. I mean, we're getting out there getting recognized as Slick and Dave from um, everybody and, and just been – it's been a wonderful thing and had the news to, I mean, even had the news sharing some of our stuff on the uh, Friday night thing. That's, that's pretty awesome play. Pretty you know, I would just have to add to, I would just have to add to that, that, you know, you, it's going to be hard to go past this, right? Cause uh, it's, it only goes down from here. I mean, it's our, our first season <laughs> and we're getting to cover a state championship game and that's pretty special in itself. Pretty special stuff and a special matchup, Dave, I'll go to you first. Um, Back in 2019, Dodd Lee's final season with the Picayune Maroon Tide, a really, really good Maroon Tide, had their season in against uh, West Point in this same setting in Hattiesburg, in the Rock, and that was one of the better Picayune Maroon Tide teams that I had ever seen. Their size up front, uh, the back, and Cam Thomas led the nation in rushing yards. Um, The significance of this being a rematch, y'all touched on it, a bit on y'all's post-game podcast. I believe either you or Slick made the comment that those sophomores uh, certainly can probably t- still taste that uh, loss to this day. What are your thoughts on the significance of it being the exact same matchup? I think it's going to help some in an aspect that, Clay, if you watch West Point, they are very different. They have they run something you're not going to see. I, I, there are probably not many schools in the country run that or are able to run it the way they run it. Um, Picking came up short, 38-26 last time. It was really a closer game than it sounded like at the end. Um, but I think having played them before, being able to prepare for what you're going to see, uh, I think it plays a big role in this week uh, leading up to the to the game. You, you, you're not just watching film. You have a little bit of film where you went against them. So I'm sure Coach Stogner and Coach uh, Hayden, you know, Coach Stogner on the staff, a lot of them on the staff that are still there are going to be familiar with what happened. Maybe think they, you know, you always have that second guess where you're, you know, we always do it as just fans. Man, I should have did this or I should have done that. Well, Picking gets a chance to try those things. And I think that's going to be big, Clay, that you get the chance to, to play West Point again. And, and yeah, we're not as big up front. Me and Ricky have talked about it all year, and, and they made big believers out of us. And we don't have Cam Thomas, but, man, number two, Dowdell, and number six, Davis, are a great combination to have going against West Point this week. 
Yeah, they'd be a, a good combination to have going against NEA and uh, across the land, I do believe. Slick, you know you heard your uh, co-host there and partner in crime throughout the year, Dave, describe uh, a unique look from West Point. To our listeners that aren't familiar with West Point's offense and how they'll attack Picayune defensively, kind of tell us what that scheme and, and what the personnel is going to look like for West Point at 7 p.m. from The Rock on Saturday night. Well, yeah, I mean, you said a mouthful there. It's going to be a lot of formations and things that are even hard to put names to. You know, you'll you'll see them come out, Clay, and they'll run uh, what we can only really describe as the Maryland Eye, which is, you know, instead of a typical two running backs making up the eye formation, they'll have a third in there. They'll also come out and, and, and shotgun and what looks to be kind of an inverted wishbone, but you don't have the extra back in there. So you'll have a, a back set at the shotgun position and two offset backs in front of him. It's a lot of power football. Um, that's what they're, they're going to run and really looking at just kind of how they use it. We mentioned uh, Dell and Chris Davis, and we've got a lot of weapons on the Picayune team. But, you know, when you think about Picayune, you think about Dell. It's kind of hard um, with this team because they have several guys that do a lot of different things for them. And, you know, just looking at Neshoba, they'll come out, Clay, in, in a game like that. You know, 36 rushes, that's pretty standard for them. Now, they didn't have one of their best nights on the ground, only 223 yards. And Cameron Young, uh, number two, he's their senior, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's going to get the bulk of those carries. He was offensive player of the year for their region with just over 1,300 yards, 165 carries and 18 touchdowns. But play, he'll have uh, Kaheen Daniels. He'll get some touches. Uh, we'll see Q Tillman Evans get touches. We'll see Keyshawn uh, Henley be mixed in there and – and really the same way that they, they throw the football as well. You'll see a couple of guys throw the football too. Uh, you'll see Tillman Evans throw. You'll see Daniels throw some. And against the show, but they actually threw it 10 times and almost 160 yards in the air. So they can mix it up a little bit. Uh, you got to look out for Sean Melton, Amari Cox, uh, guys like Colvin Hogan. Those three guys will be involved in the receiver. But you, you've heard me name a lot of guys out there. They will use a lot of folks, um, and it's really kind of hard to, to know what they're going to do. I mean, Clay, we've seen them come out and, and run the ball for 500 yards and throw it for only 30 yards. Uh, we've seen them come out and throw a lot more and run a little bit less, but I think we're going to see 30 to 35 carries on the ground. If Pickyun can stop that a little bit, we'll see them throw the ball a little bit more, but power football is definitely their game, and I don't see them changing that a whole lot Friday night. You know, that's interesting. Uh, Slick, when I look back, I had the privilege of working the sidelines for that game um, a couple years ago. And when West Point would switch personnel, it was like they were switching the same guy in and out. When he'd roll in his pad level, his show, he would look like the same, you know, six foot, 210 guy coming and going. And then uh, if I remember correctly, they even had some of that type of depth on their offensive line, which I thought played a big factor because Picune, their ones that year, and I've already mentioned it, were so, so good. I mean, they played high-end football uh, throughout the year, but there was a pretty good drop-off. There weren't a lot of depth on that uh, Picune team. Slick, when you look at it from a depth perspective, how does Picune look if it's those body blows, if it's that type of ball game? Or is Coach Stogner and his staff going to be able to rotate some guys in? That was really a luxury that Coach Lee, no fault of his own, he just didn't have the horses to kind of rotate some guys that night. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a really good question. And, and it's one thing that you can see throughout the year that Picune has slowly sprinkled guys in. They're starting to work guys in uh, a little bit more, really, in, in a lot of different spots. Now, the offensive line, um, the guys that you're going to see up there, they're going to be in the game. Uh, you will see, you know, Daldell get spilled by Davis some. Um, uh, you know, you may see Nikki Ratcliffe come in and carry the ball a little bit. He has to carry the ball a lot, but he can do that if we need him to. Um, defensively, you know, we're, we're now it's in the playoffs, and, you know, Dave and I mentioned earlier in the year that, you know, Coach Stogner, and I think we talked about it even on our roundtable, that he had you know, really learned to try not to play kids too much both ways, but it's playoff time now. And, you know, we saw Dante come in on defense and in a bigger package. He and Isaiah Evans, who's their starting right tackle, we'll see those guys come in some. And, you know, again, we're, we're starting to build that depth there now that, as you mentioned, I don't think that we've always had in the past. Dave, when I look back at that ball game, and I promise we'll, 
I'll stop doing turning the page back, but I think it's important in this kind of matchup because we have something to go off of. Turnage played both fullback and linebacker, and he was such a force all season long. And I don't know how he's not still sore to this day for the night he put uh, on that that night. Is there a, is there a guy in in Picune's lineup that's going to be asked to carry a heavy load on on both sides? Well, it could be a number of guys. It could be Davis. Um, we've seen him get probably played more than anyone else as far as both sides of the ball, um, playing at his cornerback position and then coming in and playing tailback. And Or it could be Dowdell. Um, I think he could be the key this week, in my opinion. Um, one of those guys that is going to be asked to do way more than he's been asked, even though it's going to be one of those games, like you said, the body blows could add up. And then another person that it could be, too, is uh, Dorian Robinson. Dorian played a real key role early on to get Dowdell some time to, you know, come in and be fresher, you know, when it's hot early on in the season. We haven't really seen Dorian run the ball much. And um, but we, we don't have a lot of guys that's had to play both ways this year, and it's been uh, – I mean, it's been odd. It's really been odd for PQ not to have that. And so this this week, it's all hands on deck. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Coach Snyder calls anyone that he feels will give him a chance to, to win the game. Ricky Whitaker, when you look at it, it's kind of fun from a, a broadcaster standpoint to kind of label a backfield, whether it be thunder and lightning or whatever you want to call a backfield. But the difference, the contrast in styles from – Dydell to Davis, y'all have touched on it a number of times throughout the year. The the lunge that Davis made, or however you want to describe it, in, in the game on Friday night was just pure athleticism. But, man, what a luxury to have two backs that do it so differently. When you look at Dydell, the numbers I had, he's got 304 carries on the year. Davis with only 48. That's about a sixth of the uh, carries but to have that luxury when you're Coach Steigner, Coach Feely, that offensive staff, to be able to kind of match those up, pair them together, or do whatever you want to do out of that backfield, just kind of talk about those two kids in particular and the way that um, that they differ in the way that they run the football. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you see Dante um, and you stand next to him, you know, his, his, his speed he's got for his size, he's a very big, strong kid. Uh, we've mentioned a lot, really at nauseum, what he does is just absolutely demoralize the defense. Um, he's not scared. He almost looks for the contact. Um, and, and Chris comes in and, you know, got maybe a little bit better vision, can find the hole. He can cut back against the green. But here's the thing, Clay, that I think a lot of people don't really think about, and maybe you don't see this. Uh, you mentioned that run and how he was able to lay his body out. We've mentioned earlier in the year a very, very key run that he made on a, on a third and very long where we handed him the ball uh, against uh, East uh, – I'm sorry, against um, – yeah, it was again against East Central when we needed some extra yards, and and he's able to pick that up on his own. He's a lot stronger than he looks um, on the field. I mean, he's a very strong bat, so he's not – you know, we call those guys thunder and light, and I think he's the faster of the two and definitely has the better vision of, of the two. But, man, he's also pretty strong. Slick, when you look at it, you talk about demoralizing uh, a defense. Picune on the ground averaging eight yards per carry. Look, I've already kind of displayed some of my inept math, but it doesn't take a whole lot to figure. When you turn and hand it off to somebody twice, you've already got a first down. How dominant is that from those backs and that O-line this year? Oh, it's, I mean, it's huge, and it, it has an impact on, on really how the game plays out because, you know, we talk about picking football and the definition of picking football, and, you know, you look back at some of the stats and the number of plays that, that we've been able to run with drives we've put together, and, you know, you have an offense out there on the field that can take up, you know, you got a 24-minute half, and they're taking up 16, 17 minutes of that. It gives your defense time to rest. It gives them time to get under the tent with Coach Hayden and figure things out. And it, and it makes it a whole lot easier to stomach for your offensive line as well because now you're winning and, and, and your your assignments get a little bit easier because the guys that are giving up um, a lot of resistance early on, they start to give up less and less as the game goes on. So it really 
it really is the, the pulse that makes that Picayune team go. Rick, I'll get a question in and then I'll come back to David with his, his thoughts on uh, West Point. But you're a former Picayune linebacker. The task that these backers, particularly that linebacker position, will have against West Point and how you see this linebacker group. You know, we've, we've bragged on uh, the secondary during our playoff preview episode. I've heard the names of Birdman and, and Waller on the ends in this defensive line, but let's talk specifically about that linebacker uh, group and what their assignment will be. And you've got a underaged, if you will, sophomore, and a lot will say undersized sophomore who's made a ton of tackles and plays for Picking. Let's camp out there. Yeah, I think for Amarion, um, it's going to be a little bit different with, with what they do with him. And yeah, I think he's if there's anyone got more tackles in the state than him, I'll be surprised. You have to show me some some more film and pick them things up. But he's a tackling machine, and they really can turn him loose, Clay. They'll do some things with him. They may let him go um, off the edge a couple of times. Uh, but he really is the guy that can come in and just break things up, and really they can let him run kind of like a bull in a china shop. Uh, Dorian Robinson is going to be in the center of that thing, and, and he's probably the more athletic. Of course, you know, Dave mentioned he played running back for us a lot and would be a, a go-to running back for any team. They'd be you know, proud to have him as their lead back. But what he does, uh, he's going to be really be responsible. If there's any kind of coverage and getting out the flats on, on running backs, he's going to have to do that and really getting those guys all lined up and at the assignments that they have. But that's what we'll see. I mean, we'll see Amarion being more of a, you know, kind of just let him go, um, go in and make a play. Uh, Dorian will be more strategic with what he has to do uh, assignment-wise, especially when it comes to covering bats and things like that. David, when you look at a matchup, it's always kind of fun to see the history for your opponent. West Point's history is just stunning, man. 11 state titles. Chris Shambliss has six of those state titles. His record in his 16 years at West Point, 184 and 38. He is 41 and 9 in the playoffs. Just outstanding. I thought it was really cool. Coach Stogner gave a tip of the cap to this program and well deserved, but a lot of coaches wouldn't have done that. Coach Stogner was pretty blunt in a press conference yesterday as saying, Hey, we're chasing after uh, that kind of standard. I thought that was a really good look um, from Picayune football. Your thoughts on uh, this monster that is West Point football? Yeah, I mean, they bring a lot of history, but also they bring a lot of now, not just present. I mean, they bring a lot of present. I mean, here it is with sixth in a row, um, and Coach Hamlis has just got that program rolling. And I listened to the press conference, and I thought it was great for Coach Stogner to mention – that, you know, they want to model that. Who would, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't say it, Clay, but who would not want to have 11 state championships at a school? You know, I mean, Picayune's got, I mean, they counted three since 80, uh, 86, and here they are playing for another. They've had a chance to win one against West Point. I mean, when you go and play, and I know exactly how Coach Stogner is and that coaching staff, and, and he puts the Ric Flair stuff up, but you know, it's, you to beat a man, you got to beat the man. And I know that's the mentality that Picayune has. They're not scared of anybody. You know, we're going to roll out there, and there's going to be a lot of fans from West Point look at Picayune and go, "Man, they're small. They're small. How they win? The South must not be that good. South ain't that good." But we, they, they always talk about West Point bringing a different brand of football. Well, Picayune does a different brand of football too. It's a power game that no one else runs in the state mostly. We're not a wing tee. We're not spread. We're just going to line it up and run at you. And, and most teams can't handle that, especially when you got a bag like Dowdell. And West Point's going to do a lot of the same thing. And they're not going to be scared of Picayune by no means. I mean, when they've played the teams and beat the teams they beat, it's, it's going to be a heavyweight matchup. And I, I, I think it's going to be close. And I think uh, – West Point, with the history, that you can throw all that away right now. When it, when it gets, uh, We can talk about it right now, but when it gets 7 o'clock Saturday night, that's going to mean nothing for both sides. Yeah, both teams with really good history coming into this one. It's a really good matchup on the 5A uh, level. Slick, if we're listening late Saturday night and that podcast has that feel that it has after a, 
a tied victory. Give me two or three things, in your opinion, that the Tide would have had to done really well there in the Rock on Saturday at 7. Well, I mean, we talked a lot about West Point's offense, and they're going to have to be able to get some kind of sustained running attack going against this very, very good West Point defense, Clay. And, you know, they're led by Ken Cunningham. I mentioned um, Cameron Young. He was the offensive player of the year for the region. Uh, Cunningham, he goes by Keon. He was the the defensive player of the year, and, and he's a guy who is looked at as being one of the better linebackers in the state. Um, he's, you know, mentioned up there right with your buddy Khalid Moore, and um, that's really good company to be in, 6'1", 200 pounds. He, he's their heart and soul um, on that defense, and this is a defense that's given up 10.5 points a game. That's not very much, so we're going to have to get a running game going, and, you know, Dave and I were talking about this. We talked about it a lot, really, this, this year just to ourselves, you go back and you look at the the game plan that, that Coach Stodger and Coach Feely put in play uh, for Picayune when they played Gaucher, that dress rehearsal game as we called it. We saw them come out and you know, Dawson Underwood threw the ball seven times in that game. He got in a rhythm. Uh, he was faking the 48 power. He was going naked bootleg. He was throwing out of that, you know, on the run a little bit. He was getting in, in a flow. And I think for him to be able to do that, Clay, again, we don't need to abandon what's got us here. But we are going to have to come out if we plan to pass. I think that it's going to be smart if we if we throw the ball in second and three. Um, you don't want to throw it in third and 15, fourth and 10. It's a, you know, you got to have it at that point. I think you start mixing that in. I think it opens up more lanes for Dawdell. It takes a little bit more pressure off of your offensive line. And I think that most importantly, it gets our quarterback in a, uh, in a rhythm during the game. I think that will be really, really important. Slick, so you mentioned uh... – kind of there in your answer, being off schedule a bit and what those uh, plays would look like. I'm going to kind of go off the path of this, but special teams, I know that Morgan Kraft made a kick uh, last week as a sophomore. He's certainly a weapon in a special teams games. Have you had a chance that uh, Slick to really dive in? I know you love this film and love the study. Have you had a chance to kind of look at what Picayune's special teams will look like against West Point special teams? Well, I mean, I think that hey, if, if you watch the Brookhaven game last week, Clay, and it's it's one of those things that really a lot of teams don't have in high school football, and that's that's a really good kicker and good special teams. And you know, we saw um, you know we saw Laurel kick it deep a few times uh, to Chris Davis, and that their their kicker he did his best Morgan Craft impression and tried to do those corner kicks that Morgan does. He, he kicked two of them out of bounds in a row. Um, you look at West Point on film, and it, it's really the same thing. They missed an extra point against Neshoba. Um, I think that we could have a chance um, to maybe line up, and I think if we do line up and we get a chance to let Morgan come on and put three on the board, we got to take that. Uh, and I think that he's he's proved that, that he can do that. You know, he, he kicked one that he made. He kicked one that he missed. But uh, I think that special teams and really our kicking game is going to be key. You know, West Point has shown that they'll they'll try and kick it deep. Um, I don't know how many times you'll do that, especially if Davis is, is on the receiving end of that. But, uh, again, what's your other alternative? I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice to be able to try and do those those corner kicks and those kind of, you know, high kicks that, that Morgan does. Uh, you can't just do that on the fly. Um so yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely like our chances compared to anyone, and that includes West Point with special teams. Dave, I gave Slick a chance to kind of give his keys for the night. I'll give you that same opportunity. What What are some things that you'll be looking for that if Picayune were to win, they would have done a good job on on Saturday night? I think it's going to be tackling. I mean, a uh, big key is going to be just tackling who has the ball and, and assignment football is uh. The big thing with West Point is they they pass a lot more than us, uh, Picayune does. But you also, it's okay to give up a pass, but they can't give up a pass play that's going to go for a touchdown with no one on. You know, that those kind of plays, if, if they can limit and have none of those, they can't even have one. Like, they, they just can't. Like, you can't let the tailback sneak out or the tight end sneak down the field or whatnot. Like, the kind of plays that me and you talked about a play earlier that um, – that Picayune tries to do. We try to sneak the wing back down the field, the tight end down the field, or the or the uh, the running back down the field, and real sneaky pass plays. Picayune cannot allow that, and 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 just tackling. And just when you get the guy back there, we cannot let him. We can't let him turn a no gain, 
into 10 yards. I mean, and, and that, that's a lot of things that they were able to do the first game, you know, two years ago. You know, they were able to, to break tackles, and, and, and a credit to them, they got great running backs. But um, I think Pekin's got to tackle well and do, do not give up that sneaky pass play. Dave brings up the sneaky pass play. Uh, Ricky Glenn, when you kind of look back, and I think on the post-game pod, y'all may have mentioned this, or you may have mentioned it to me off the record, so I apologize if it needed to stay off the record. But the corners in that secondary maybe didn't play their best game a week ago against Laurel. Can that be a help? You survive that. You get a chance to show the young guys on film, hey, you, you were out of position here or you got beat here. It didn't cost us this week, but it may next. How helpful can that film be this week? I think it's huge. I think it gives you a chance to be battle-tested. And, you know, we bragged so much on those guys, Clay, and they really have played – so so well all year we talked about their youth and their experience really being kind of a credit to, to some of that because uh, they just don't know any different they go out there with that swagger and but you know there were times with our secondary um play this you know this past game where i thought for the first time they looked like the game might have got to them it was a little bit too big for them at, at times now they adjusted and they came back and played well but to answer your, your question, yeah, that it was the perfect time for this to happen, uh, and it's and you know you're able to move on because it didn't cost you the football game. I think this will be a huge help for them. Guys, I'll get y'all out of here on this as I listen each and every week to the post game and then also the preview. It kind of gets lost to me that this is just Cody Stogner's second year as a head coach. What a job he's done, and just his second year of continuing the momentum that was Picayune football under Dodley. Y'all just kind of speak to the position that Coach Stogner put his team in and, and the job he's done this year. Um, I guess I'll go first on that. <clears throat> I think it says a lot about um, the belief that Coach Stogner had and what Dodd created there. Um, even though Cody's been under him for however many years he's been under him and Sometimes you want to kind of change things up, and um, it's been a credit to Coach Stogner of saying, hey, we're, we're going to do Picayune football, and I believe in Picayune football. I think it can win games. I think it will win championships. And for a young guy, I mean, he's relatively young for a head coach to come in and still follow that, and, 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 and he believes it. Like, there's no, no doubt about it. He's all Picayune. There's just there, he's, he's always has been, always will be. And he's come in and done everything the same way. He's added a little things that you know, a little flair to it. And then you also have some energetic coaches around him, like Coach uh, Coach Hayden. I mean, man, I mean, he he keeps that defense going. And uh, it's credit to him and his staff. I mean, it, it's easy to just go on and say, hey, we could do something different and try it. But uh, Coach Steiner's kept it rolling and has done a great job. And you're right, only two years in. Rick, your thoughts on him and that staff as a whole? Yeah, I, I agree with everything David said. I was sitting here thinking as he was talking. Uh, that was kind of my, my thoughts, too. I think that, you know, as David mentioned, you know, he knows what the recipe is. He's added his own seasoning, his own flavors to it, and that, that's fine. And, he, you know, you can see some of that stuff. And I think that to be successful in anything, you've got to hire good people, and then you've got to get out of their way. And let them do their jobs, and I think he's done that, and uh, he's done it. He's done a really good job of that, and it, it takes some trust. You got to build that trust through the year that you can rely on your assistants to, hey, you got this. This is your thing, and I'm gonna come over here, and you know. And, and I think too, just kind of my, my final thoughts, Clay. We can sit here and we can talk about you know scheme and, and all this stuff with this game. It's just gonna come down to we got to go out there coaching staff wise, play calling wise, and player wise, and, and you got to come off that field leaving empty everything's there you, you don't bring anything back not a play i should have called not a tackle a kid should have made you got to leave the rot on saturday night on empty with nothing left in the tank and i think that they can do that they'll be just fine absolutely can't list, can't wait to listen to y'all's uh, post-game podcast after the fact i've enjoyed the heck out of y'all's pre-games and post-game podcast i've heard from a lot of maroon tide fans that feel that exact same way jeff and i you know jeff the co-founder and producer of these podcasts we can't thank you enough for the job that y'all have done man it's been a blast to listen uh, to y'all and to be able to 
to have y'all on board for the job y'all have done. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks, Clay. We enjoy it. And, uh, I mean, let's, let's hope we got one more great post-game podcast left in us. Sounds good to me, Dave. And Slick, uh, can't wait to see you at the Rock on Saturday. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks for letting us come along on this ride, man, and be, be a part of this talking ball, y'all stuff. You guys you know, have just built this thing so great. It's just kind of an honor, man, to be a part of it. Oh, man, uh, the pleasure and the honor is all ours. We'll see y'all on Saturday from the Rock. We appreciate y'all listening uh, to Slick and Dave and their thoughts on this matchup coming up for the 5A state title. Johnson Farms and Meat Market. Where can you find a full-service butcher shop that carries only the finest beef? From Mississippi farm-raised corn-fed cattle? Why, that would be Johnson Farms and Meat Market in Picayune. Shop at johnsonfarms.com or stop in at the corner of Highway 11 and North Hall in Picayune. Johnson Farms and Meat Market, where quality beef begins. All right, I'm sitting here with Coach Stogner. Coach Steiner, after practice here, going to give us a little interview for the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Coach, I want to say congratulations on the uh, South State Championship and going to the uh, uh, championship. Thank you. Yes, it's an honor to be here. You know, there's a lot of hard work and sacrifices by these players out in that locker room and especially and the coaches as well. Coach, this is your second year at Picayune. Talk a little bit about things that you learned from year one to year two that's helped uh, helped you throughout this whole season. Uh, man, I mean, there's multiple things I can talk about learning, but, you know, I'm learning every day still. Uh, we were fortunate enough this year. I, 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 last year I got caught up and wanted to win every game so bad, and I wanted to win the next game the next game. And, you know, I th- feel like in order to do that, we wore some players out. And uh, toward the end of the year, we ran out of gas. And, you know, I blame myself for that by being, being stingy and being a first-year head coach and just wanting to win them all and, and not seeing the big picture. And, I think that's one thing I've learned from that, and uh, but like I said, every day I'm always trying to find something, learn a new, uh, learn learn new, and and uh, just to better myself as a coach. All right, coach. Well, <clears throat> let's before we get to West Point, I wanted to th- bring up some things like talk about a little bit about your team, things that y'all progressed throughout the season. More what 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 things y'all got better coming from pre district through district and through the playoffs. Well, I mean, you know, just looking back, look at those first four games, the pre district games. I mean. I think two of those games, we struggled to move the ball on offense. We were still trying to find our identity, still trying to get develop the offensive line and quarterback position. Our defense bailed us out of a lot of those games. We knew we were going to be fast on defense, uh, and, you know, the defense bailed us out, and we were able to uh, make adjustments in those games and win those games. And uh, just the offense has gotten progressively better throughout the year, even going into the district. You know, each game they've gotten better and better and better. Same thing with our defense. Our defense has gotten better and better and better as well. And so just going in from – we were still real green in those first four games, but we were fortunate enough to win three three out of uh, four of them. Uh, I feel real confident that we can go back and we could probably play them again. We'd probably win all four of them. But, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We were better than what we were then, but so are those teams as well. Uh, moving into the district, uh, you know, it, the, the steady climb is, you know, we, you know, you've got to get better every day. You can't just stay where you are and stay the same. And, you know, we had that three – uh, three-game road stretch right there where I really think was the turning point of our season. Uh, I just remember going into those three games and, you know, talking with the coaching staff, I felt if we win those three games, I feel like we have a really good chance of going far. And and uh, I think that's, you know, the George County game was a, was a pivotal moment of our season when our, our players really started getting confidence in themselves and in each other that we are, we are a pretty good football team. And and then moving on to the playoffs, you know, it's just week in, week out. These guys surprise you, man. They come out, they fight hard. They're loose as can be. I mean, you're sitting right here. They're about to, the defense is about to come out of that, that meeting room right there, and they're going to be hollering and screaming. You, know? they, <laughs> you wouldn't even know there's a state championship game going on this week. But the thing is, once once that whistle blows, they're locked in from the moment when we say go, and and then and they're and they're full speed every play. Coach, talk about. I know we we try to interview everybody after the games, and sometimes it's a little hectic. I try not to keep a lot of people for too long. Talk about your coaching staff from top to bottom, from you below, what they do for you week in and week out. Well, they're the best in the state. I mean, that's why we're as good as we are. You know, these coaches are have. I mean, they work just as hard as or harder than anybody. I feel like in in the state of Mississippi in the coaching profession. I mean. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, we've got Coach Edwards, uh, who's done the offensive line. Done, you know, of course, he's been doing it for so long. He's a 
he's a he's a wizard when it comes to the offensive line, you know, and just just how he can get the players to play hard for him and and, and the scheme wise and you know being the guy who's kind of been around and has been seen, you know, been there, done that, seen it all. Uh, also, he's still a great mentor for all of us young coaches. And uh, Coach Feely has done just a phenomenal job with our offensive backfield and quarterbacks, and just you know, as, and also just scheming offensively uh, week in and week out. Uh, you know, come like we we all kind of we all collaborate together on plays. But Coach Feely does a good great job of really finding weaknesses on the on the defense and and um, and talking about on the sidelines with him with that iPad. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, that's a game changer. But you know, he sees it so quick, and you know, but. Right. You know, he's been around uh, for a long time, so we're all starting to see it a lot better. But, you know, those two guys are really what's making our offense click and and uh, moving on to the defense side of the ball. I mean, how, you know, what can you say about Coach Hayden? I mean, that I don't think if, if you – you know, anybody if, if anybody would ever say they would not like playing for that guy, then there's something wrong with that person. It's not right. Coach Hayden. And I think there's a lot of people that can attest to that. And uh, just the staff on that side is, Coach, you know, Coach Summers – with the two line, with the, with the four linebackers, they're and I feel like these are the best linebacking core we've ever had, and, and they they take coaching so well. Uh, Coach Poole with the defensive backs, you know, he's got young backfield back there, and these guys are competing week in week out. And um, you know, Coach Poole is a guy I coached, and I love to have around. He's kind of my lean to go to sometimes for you know younger person's aspect, and and uh, but then Coach Coach Tyler Smith, the guy we brought on. Last year, who's just gotten better from year one to year two, and you know, I I, I, I knew when he was here as a, a graduate assistant that he was going to be a really good football coach, and he's proven that. I mean, and he's got some great players down on that front front line for him too that are helping him helping him out, but they're all growing together as well. You know, they're good they're good players, but he he holds them accountable and gets them in the right position. So, like I said, collectively, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without this coaching staff. I mean, you know, it's it's not. You know, I, my name's on the on the list, but it's not my team. It's everybody's team, and you know, I think we all do a good job of really, you know, gelling with each other and and uh, just as a collectively whole coaching staff. Yeah, and, I, and you can feel that. Me and Ricky can feel that every week. We talk about it. It sometimes I'll forget what stuff we talked about and actually put out because we talk so much about y'all, and that's one of the things we always harp on is how just cohesive this whole unit is from players to coaches and it is just fun to watch and we're gonna move on to the state championship game you got west point who's no surprise coming out the north played them two years ago we got uh at the rock we lost 38 to 26 going back to that game coach watching film did y'all is there anything from that game that you think i mean not specific things you don't want to give it you know i don't want you to say anything specifically but is there things from watching that that will help y'all this week well, I think, you know, two years ago I was called offensive coordinator. I feel like I could have probably made some better adjustments earlier on in the game instead of at halftime. And, uh, it, you know, West Point's they, they got tradition. They've been there, done it. They've got the experience of being in that game. They're they're not there for no reason. They're a very good football team. They were then. Uh, but just looking back, you know, we watched the film, obviously. You know, they're, they're the same same team, just different players, you know. And, and they're, they're, they're like us. They're, they're, they believe in what they do. They're going to continue to keep doing what they're doing. And, they do it. They do it with a great effort, great attitude, and and man, it's just you know it's gonna be an electric atmosphere. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, and but yeah, there's a few things I you know I, I, we found I, I you know we all found actually from a couple of years ago that we you know we feel like that if we could change up and tweak just a little bit, it might make us a better football team in the future. Yeah, because we we did an interview earlier with me, Ricky, and Clay, and I made a comment of that it's almost like getting to be. Monday morning quarterback where you get to go back and say I should have did this or I should have done that, and yeah. you don't obviously. Very, very seldom will you play a team where you can say that. Right. But when you play in Picayune versus West Point, two similar teams in the fact that everyone in the state knows what Picayune's bringing. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what West Point. So it's the players change, but the concept, the philosophy stay the same. I mean, would you, would you agree with that? Right. It's you know, it's the uh, it's the same recipe, just different ingredients. Yeah, I mean, that's that's perfect. I mean, it's it's really what it is. You know, it's you, we're in year out. They've got to develop their players. We got to do ours. We got to build a belief system and. And they're doing what we do, and they do it, and they do it too. They've just been doing it a lot better than anybody else in the state of Mississippi over the last six, seven years. Coach, do you think that, and you go back to, I should ask this earlier, but I'm asking now because we brought it up too, is how big of a, you know, from first year to second year, you didn't play a lot of guys both ways this year. And we mentioned this a lot earlier on. You mentioned it to me. How big has that helped? Right now, when it's it's cooler weather, now now you now you might be able to play someone a little bit more. I mean, like we've seen it last week. 
Oh, we're fresh. I mean, you know, we don't have players that have played over a thousand snaps like we did last year. Right. And uh, we, I mean, even though we played more games now up to this point than we did last year, but we have guys who are a lot more fresh. Uh, you think about it, Dante had what 29, 30 carries or whatever this last game and the game before that close to 30 carries. But there's been a few games this year. He said seven to nine carries. You know, we've been able to good, have been able to have Coach Feely's done a great job of mixing in those other guys to where we don't have to wear down Dante and even those guys as well. Uh, but it's just helped. I think it's helped get us to the point where we are now. Now, it also goes back to the offseason training these guys put forth. We did a lot more stuff than we normally do over the offseason. We did a lot more uh, calisthenics, a lot more running, a lot more high reps, high energy type stuff. So I think that has a lot to go along with where we're at today and in the shape we're in. So looking at West Point, they run a multitude of different formations. Do you think that this week you guys are going to be ready for the, all the changing that they're going to run? Because I've seen on the film they're running a lot of five, four wide, and then they'll run, I, I think I'm calling it the Maryland Eyes, is that what it's called, and then a split back. They just, I mean, they just run anything. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. That's what we're calling it. But. Yeah, I've seen it on Huddle. That's why we, <laughs> me and Ricky's like calling it. I think that's what I kind think of what Coach, uh, Coach Myers called it the Kansas City Eyes. So well, I guess it's whoever you want to call it, you can call it. That's an old school, old school uh, eye formation. But it's our job to get the guys in the right position. And, uh, you know, that's why we practice. So, you know, there's obviously going to be, you know, a lot of time spent on making sure we get lined up right. Being I have an eye discipline. Uh, two yeah. years ago, they got us on not being disciplined in the defensive backfield. Uh, on two big plays, so you know it's ultimately it's that's our, that's part of coaching. That's our job is to make sure you know our guys are prepared the best they can and be ready for anything that's thrown at them. And and I mentioned that on our little interview earlier is I call them sneaky pass plays. They kind of want to do what we do. You know, mm-hmm. they want to hey we want to sneak this guy out. You're, you're expecting us to do this, but we're going to do something different. So I, I, I my my key to the game was. We really got to limit those at all costs. I know we were fortunate last time to get the pick six from one of those plays. So big turnover, something like that would be great. But if I was to ask you, Coach, there was two things that you could not afford to do against West Point, and it, for you to expect to hold up the goal ball at the end. Like, is there two things? I mean, I know there's more than two, but if there was two things you say, if we do these, probably not going to to hold up that ball. Uh, turn the ball over on offense and not give up the big plays. That's that's been our philosophy every game. I mean, you know, we we preach what we preach every week. You know, we need to stay ahead of the chains, hold on to the football, play alignment and assignment defense, and and you know nothing's going to change. That's from for, as long as I'm the head coach. That's going to be the two two keys for us to win a football game. Yeah, and I, I mentioned that. I, my Clay kind of asked us. I mean, you'll listen back, but I had asking he had asked me, and I said. uh tackling was one too because I thought we missed a lot of tackles in that game you know Mm -hmm. two years ago that I thought could have changed the game a good bit I'm going to hit you with one other thing coach um, before we say this I want you to tell me what it means for you to be Picayune football head coach to wear wear Picayune across your chest I know you're a Picayune guy you bleed it I mean no one around Picayune cannot deny that and uh, for you to get here and you're I mean you've been mentoring kids I'm not going to say you haven't been by saying this but you you also a mentor. You got kids that come in here, and and what does that mean to you? It's what I've you know it's what I've worked so hard for for a long time. This is whenever I got done playing college football. This is something I set my goal is to be is to be a head coach. Now ultimately, I didn't know when I came out of college I was going to be back at Picayune, but the, that just makes it even sweeter to be able to come back home and you know be the head coach of the place I played for, coach for. And I just love this town. I love these kids that come through this, this, these doors. And, you know, I – man, you're going to make me tear up right now. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to do that. I just... it's, 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 it's a great feeling because I'm surrounded by a lot of really, really good people on just not players or coaches, but administration, teachers, my family, uh, you guys. I mean, it's, it's – I, I mean – it's the best place in the world. It's the best job I've ever had. Yeah, it, it, it's special, and I think you and the whole staff have welcomed us. Like, I mean, it's it's serious. Like, when I tell everybody, it's like they expect us to be out. Like, if we're not there, I think somebody would wonder where we're at. And, that, and the first year doing that is kind of special. So, um, Ricky and I, Slick, I should call him Slick because everybody's calling him Slick now. So, Slick and Dave. But 
we we want to thank you, thank you, and the whole staff and the school, not just you, because the school had to help, you know, and allowing us to kind of dig through here and we our way through the sideline. But we never seemed like we're in the way. But uh, we we love it and we appreciate it. And good luck from the whole Talking Ball y'all crew. And uh, hopefully that interview Saturday is going to be something special. I hope it's lit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Coach. How do you unwind? Whether it's hunting riding horses, or just sitting around a campfire. It's better on land you own. Southern Ag Credit can finance that land. Give our Gulf Port office a call at 228-832-5582 or visit us online at southernagcredit.com. Now joining the podcast is Jake Wimberly. He's the program director for ESPN 105.9 and 106.3 The Fan. He's also the host of the Afternoon Drive. And to go along with all that, he is the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs. Jake, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Clay, man, always a pleasure. Love what you guys do, man. It's great great to be with you. Jake, man, an exciting weekend coming. But let's look back at the weekend that was uh, Brandon with a tight victory over Oak Grove to punch their ticket to this ball game. Our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with the outcome, but if you would, just kind of give us a recap of how Brandon got here. You know, it's been it's been an interesting year, Clay. It really has, and you got to go back to, to last year. And, and and you guys know this because you guys cover championship programs down there in Poplarville and just a lot of great football on the coast. But, you know, Brandon was rocking along here uh, – doing some really big things 2012 all the way to about 2018-19 and then for you know new stadium all kinds of good stuff going on uh but brandon had a hard time punching a ticket state lost uh south state championships games in 2013 to oak grove uh 28 uh, 2019 to oak grove again then for whatever reason you know tyler peterson kind of lost the program there that whole thing just didn't work out so brian marshall comes in and hires sam williams uh after an extensive coaching search i believe there was somewhere around 76 candidates uh, unofficially for that job. So Sam Williams gets the job. And, you know, this team needed a lot of work. And I I think coming into the year, a lot of us felt like, hey, if this team could just be competitive for the number four spot, you know, just to get back to the playoffs, because Brandon didn't make the playoffs last year. First time in uh, about 10 years they had not made the playoffs. And I can remember sitting last summer in a meeting with, with, or this past summer with Sam Williams, and we were talking about, you know, game day type stuff, what, what we did as far as video board and radio and, live stream and all that stuff. And I said, hey, coach, casually, I said, have you had a chance to take a look at your team? You know, how good do you think you're going to be? And Sam deadpanned me and looked me dead in my eye, and he said, you know, we got some work to do, but we don't play Oak Grove until October. We'll be ready by then. And I looked at him almost mm-hmm. to think, have you really looked at your team? You know, I'm thinking, what? Mm-hmm. What kind of statement? One of the things you learn about Sam Williams real quickly is he's extremely authentic, and he is a guy that believes what he says, and he says what he believes. And, Clay, you know this. There's some guys that can walk in a room and they just own it. And he is one of those guys. And he is an electric guy. He's, he's a guy you gravitate to. And his team has done that. And after an 0-2 start against Oxford and the Madison Central, Brandon won an extremely interesting, high-energy type football game against Clinton on the last play of the game. And then ran off nine more in a row. One against Oak Grove. And then, of course, uh, you lose a player – like Nate Blunt, and we've watched this thing materialize for, for Brandon under Sam Williams. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna use a lot of time on the play clock. They're gonna run a very fast, very efficient football. Lost Nate Blunt, a guy that's kind of an all state type player. I, I think he's an SEC player in two years at running back. But it was next man up, and then they were able to pull out uh, you know a massive win against Oak Grove to get to the state championship game on Friday. It's been a heck of a turnaround, and all credit goes to you know Sam Williams, his staff, and those kids. They've done a remarkable job. Jake, for somebody that was on the borderline to tuning in, streaming, or making it out uh, to The Rock on Friday night, and they say, well, we've seen this movie, and it ended 42-19 to 19 the second week of the season. What would you say to them, and, and how much has changed, not only for Brandon, but for Madison Central, and how this ball game may be totally different this week? Well, first off, I just had a chance to visit, uh, as we're recording this today, with Toby Collins on my radio show. Toby Collins is one of the better football coaches in the state and a wonderful person, wonderful guy. Another guy who coached with Sam Williams. Coach Sam coached on his staff at Northwest Rankin several years ago before he took the job at Pilahatchee. 
And Toby is another guy that will grab you. He's another one of those get-it guys. And Madison Central is flat-loaded. They're as good up front as I've seen. Had a chance to see them in week two. Their offensive line is, is remarkable. Um, one of the better offensive lines. If you think, think West Point, Clay, and some of their dominant offensive lines, they're, they're pretty darn good. Uh, mm-hmm. Defensive line, they're smaller, but they're really quick, and they get after it. So, you know, Madison Central's good. Uh, they, they did lose Vic Sutton, quarterback, a couple weeks ago, and they lost Robert Dumas, both to ACL injuries. Now, they has been next man up for those guys, and they went to Starville this past week and won 34-13. to When you go back, so both teams have lost big-time players. But when you go back to week two, that game was really close going into the third quarter. And it was close mid-third quarter. Now, give Madison Central credit. They blew the doors off Brandon in the second half. So I I think where things have changed, um, Madison Central obviously has gotten better and continued to win uh, after one loss to Starville. Brandon has gotten better. Um, Brandon has figured out how to run this offense. Um, When you look at uh, their quarterback, uh, Barnes, he is a sophomore, but he's playing like a junior now, Landon Barnes. And he is really running this offense uh, the way Sam Williams wants to run it. He's running it fast, making the right decisions, making the right reads. And, you know, like Madison Central, Brandon has a home run hitter in, in Jarvis Stewart running back. He's a guy that can he can take it between the tackles, but if, if, if he gets a corner and he runs a stretch play extremely well, catches the ball well out of the backfield, I, I think what you're going to see is a very physical game and I think it's going to be a very competitive game. You know, if I was giving the edge, I'd probably give it to Madison Central. But how much? I don't. I think the game is much closer than forty-two to nineteen. Jake, when you look at other games across the weekend, and you'll be pulling a lot of duties, whether it be radio or on the TV side, what other storylines or games jump out at you? Well, I think first you got to go Hollandale Simmons, and you know we've seen Hollandale Simmons in this matchup. Uh, a lot over the last several years. And this is a team that's only given up like 57 points, I believe, and I'm probably yeah. off on that. But it, it, it's not a lot of points. And you're talking about one day football to continue to restock the culvert, so to speak, in, in the, and there's just talent upon talent in the Delta. If you don't believe it, look at, uh, look at Greenville Christian this past year. Yeah. So, you know, Hollandale Simmons is a, is a remarkable story, but they're playing a team in Bay Springs that has not given up a lot of points either. So this is going to be a fun matchup. You know, I think you got to go uh, to the 5A matchup as well on Saturday night. Uh, another chance for Picayune to take on West Point. And we saw them play a remarkable game. I believe it was down there, correct me if I'm wrong, a couple years ago. That's right. And West, West Point got the better of them in the second half. So, you know, I think when you look across the board, 1A all the way to 6A, there's some great matchups. There's some teams uh, in this, like Amory, that has not been here in a long time. I mean, you got Madison Central, haven't been here since 99. Brandon since 2012. Amory, I don't remember the last time. It's been a while. Um, Bay Springs, the same thing. So, And then you've got you know your traditional quote-unquote power. I mean, JDC is back in this thing, and they've been in this thing. You know, When they weren't JDC, they were, they were Bassfield. So I think there's a great mixture of quote-unquote blue bloods that are, are used to being here and then teams that have not been here. There's a lot of great coaches and a lot of great players, and, and we already know uh, Southern Miss puts on as, as good a show for this event as, as anybody in the state. Yeah, it should be a really cool setting. It's a special weekend for all involved. Jake, this is kind of a curveball off the high school scene, but the recent – we talked about the dynamite hires both at Brandon and Madison Central. What about the hires in the college game? Your, your home run and then your dud uh, at first glance uh, for you for some of these big hirings. I, I think the home run is Lincoln Riley to USC. Um, and it makes sense because when you – and I, a lot of people say, well, is Lincoln Riley running from the SEC? I don't think it's anything like that. I, I think when you talk about the ability to go out to USC and do a couple things. One, you mirror what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson. There's not a lot of lot, – and I know Clemson's not going to win the ACC this year, but they've dominated that conference for so long, and you know they're not going to do it every year. They'll be back next year. But Dabo Sweeney has made the right play to stay at Clemson a place where he can recruit at a high level and then win a conference and get to the playoff. And not only that, win a national championship or two. Lincoln Riley knows out at USC, Oregon's a nice program. Utah's a nice program. But when USC is done right, and for him to be a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer, and all of these quarterbacks, I mean, you just look around college football from Bryce Young to DJ Uangalale to uh, you look at Ole Miss, you look across, you know, the, the landscape of college football, 
Matt Corral, they're from California. So the, a lot of these big-time quarterbacks are from California. Lincoln Riley says, hey, I can go out to USC. I can recruit right there in my own backyard, and I can rebuild USC in its own image. Very similar to what Pete Carroll did. I, I think that it's a home run, and I think USC will be back into the college football playoff mix in the next two to three years. Uh, they're not that far off. That's my home run. If I had to say like a dud, I don't want to call Billy Napier a dud because I think what he's done at, at Louisiana Lafayette has been remarkable. However, outside of Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, I mean, we've seen this before. Mm. Dan Mullen couldn't cut it. Jim McElwain couldn't cut it. Will Muschamp couldn't cut it. And you go all the way back to Ron Sook, he couldn't cut it. So the odds are not necessarily in Billy Napier's favor. So I, I don't want to call him a dud. I just I would say that kind of the curveball there is Billy Napier because I think Chip Kelly right now at LSU makes sense. Chip Kelly has won everywhere he's been. Or excuse me, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly has won everywhere he's been. Uh, he won in the Division One AA. He won at Cincinnati. He won at the MAC. He won at Notre Dame. Uh, I think he will win at LSU. Now, I don't know that that necessarily equates to a national championship, but I think that he can keep some of the talent home, oddly that even Ed Orgeron was losing to Alabama and others. Um, LSU has got some work to do. They've got to build some talent back. But, you know, I, I love the Lincoln Riley hire at USC. And, and I think, to be, to be fair, Billy Napier's got a chance to be successful. One of the things that we heard out of the state of Florida, just from people over in Jacksonville in, in the media business, and such, is the same thing we heard in the state of, state of Mississippi, is Dan Mullen did not make any friends on the recruiting trip. Mm. And for, for whatever reason, Dan Mullen just is not a great recruiter um, i don't know if it's personality some coaches don't like to recruit that's why a lot of people say joe burrow doesn't want to come back or should be joe brady rather joe brady doesn't want to come back to college he doesn't like to recruiting so it's unfair to really peg billy napier as a dud but uh just for the you know framework of the question i would put him on the back end of that jake is it just wild man you look at the state of mississippi and we have relatively three new uh head coaches at at USM at Ole Miss and Mississippi State and when you throw Coach Prime in a mix you could say four but that seems like eternity ago when those guys have come on the mix and I would say all four of those uh, coaches were good hires and have done a tremendous job would you agree with that? Oh 100% I mean let's start with this weekend Jackson State's playing at the SWAC title game and Jackson one of the reasons we're you know moved the championship games to to the rock which is fine um that's that's major major achievement and that's one of the things we talk about here in jackson on on our local shows and stuff is that you know there's a mixture of well Dion's not going to be here long you know he's not going he's not going to be no coach you know this no coach is really made to be in a program 10 12 14 15 years anymore that's just not the way what i always said Dion sanders success would be defined on did he leave when he leaves when he leaves the program was it better than when he found it mm. The answer is going to be absolutely yes. When does he leave? We don't know. You know, you look at what Leach and Kiffin have done at Starville and Starville and Oxford, both big time. You know, finishes this year. Ole Miss obviously first ten win season and uh, regular season in the program history. Mike Leach. They left a lot of meat on the bone, shall we say, this year. Yeah. Um, you know, on some big ball games, but still they finished seven and five. They're going to get to, get to go play in a bowl game. I think sky is the limit there. And then of course with Will Hall. You know, I don't think the record is indicative of the work that he is doing. If you talk to coaches inside the state of Mississippi, high school-wise, Will Hall is, is a beloved guy. He's going to get a turnaround. There's just some issues there at Southern Miss. There's some, some roster issues that he's got to get fixed. And people have to give him a little time because I do think he will be extremely successful and turn Southern Miss around. So, yes, I would agree with you. Four really big hires, four really big coach, big-time coaches in the state of Mississippi. Jake, what a scene it was with Alcorn and Jackson State in the vet to see that place packed. Man, how cool is that? It was extremely cool. And not only, you know, to see the vet that weekend, you got to go back to homecoming weekend. Uh, again, when you look at what Deion Sanders has done, he's, he's elevated the play not only of Jackson State, now Alcorn, to their credit, and what Coach McNair has done there. It's, it's been a phenomenal run for him. And, they, you know, they've kind of been the bell cow of the swag as well. So just to see what, what, you know, the HBCUs are doing and, and how Dion is openly, you know, championing that cause as well. To see the vet full, I mean, we haven't seen, some, you know, seen like that since the 80s or even early 90s. you got to go all the, way, all the way back to Steve McNair's type, type year. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun to watch. Jay, tell our listeners how they can find your winners, how they can find your hourglass information, and how they can follow you on social media. 
Yeah, my website is just CFB College Football Hourglass.com. And of course, we do a lot of college football on there. Uh, we'll have a ton of stuff coming out at the first of the year on even 2022 type stuff. But we do some winnings and, you know, some fun, some sports gaming type stuff if you're into that. And then, of course, on Twitter at Jake Wim. And then, of course, we're on uh, ESPN Radio here in Jackson. You can always stream that on the zone1059.com. Jay, can't thank you enough. Can't look forward to seeing you at the Rock on uh, Friday and Saturday. You got it, brother. I always appreciate it. See you this weekend. Thank you, Jay.